Hello everyone and welcome to another Scots We Hate podcast and today I'm joined by singer, photographer, filmmaker and author Marianne Desald. Hello Marianne. I have to uh, slow you down and see if you forgot anything. Yeah, yeah you, sure you got have, it down. <laughs> I tried my best to include everything. <laughs> And if you hear some lovely background ambience, it's because we're sat today in the Hidden Gardens in the South Side of Glasgow on a beautiful morning. Thanks for suggesting it. Of course. I, it struck me, this place, Hidden Garden, it says Peak Glasgow. You've got the <laughs> mosque and the chants coming in through the birch trees. You've got a sound of the train, a little bit of traffic. Some people practicing Tai Chi out there. Yeah. I mean, they don't make much sound, but they're there. It's perfect to find a quiet and birds. spot in <laughs> the, the middle of the city. So there's a lot to cover as that introduction suggests. Can you tell us a bit about your life and work? How did you... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a, just a general overview and then we'll get into the detail. Uh, born in France, south of France, a uh, small rural town. Moved to the US, Phoenix, Arizona. Uh-huh. Big, massive cancerous growth of a megapolis. Uh, when I was 16 with my family, then went on to study filmmaking in Los Angeles and then got the music bug when I landed in Tucson, Arizona at the age of 22 or 23. And that took over for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Became a singer, started touring, recording, and ended up moving back to Europe about 10 years ago and drifted along between France, Germany, Italy, eventually landing in Kent, Ramsgate in Kent in 2017. Right. Just after Brexit. Perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> See what was up with that. Um, and then made it to Glasgow and moved to Glasgow six months ago. And let's start more recently and then we can move our way back. You had an exhibition of photography at the Glasgow Gallery. Um, what can you tell us about that um, and the style of photography that you do? When in 2020 all my touring was cancelled, I thought I was stuck in the US, actually in Arizona, and really wanted to come back to Ramsgate and pick up photography, do something to face the times that we were living in. So I made it back, it took me six months actually to feel safe enough to get on the plane, but by October 2020 I was back in Ramsgate and from day one, well actually day 10 after quarantine back in them oh, days, of course. Um, I hit the, the ground running and I, I went, went out every single day with a little camera um, and photographed Ramsgate or you know basically the one square mile we were allowed at that time of sure. lockdowns and repeated lockdowns and Christmas being cancelled. And I did that for about six months. And then a year ago, in summer 2021, I put out those images as posters on a massive length of um, industrial fence in Ramsgate. Big posters, 400 of them, 60 meter worth of stuff. And, And then left it up there for two months and stood there by my fence and people from the town whose photos it was, uh, mm-hmm. just came in, streamed in, and we talked and we talked. And then that led to a gallery being interested, and and then all of a sudden I had to figure out how to be a, a gallery photographer, an artist. Sure. Um, and went on with this, which eventually led to the Glasgow Gallery of Photography offering me a soul show um, this summer. And so that stayed on for a month. and. Um, 
because I'm not just a photographer, I also brought in people, set designer from Paris that I used to work with on my stage shows. Mm-hmm. Um, my music producer, Raphael Mann, who also did the foreword to the exhibition, etc. So it was a bit of an installation. So, and what comes across there and with a lot of the other things you've done is the importance of collaboration. Is that kind of central to a lot of what you do? Not always. <laughs> I wrote a book once, a memoir, uh, sorry tales of my, my touring life and, and traumatic experience with eating disorders and all kind of funny things. Uh, and that, that was just basically me. Well, I don't I think imagine. anybody I don't think anybody could have helped. Well, you know, of course there was a designer for the book cover, etc. and a few people that read it and tore it apart, etc. But it's it's a pretty lonely experience. Uh, as someone who used to uh, be an editor, but I'd never worked on a memoir or anything so personal as an autobiography. How difficult is that to kind of work together with someone who's editing when it's your story? No, it's not, because once you start writing, it's not your story anymore. It's a story. Mm-hmm. You have to find a way to put that story across. So it becomes words and they have to make sense. And it becomes... In a strange way, it becomes a fiction. I mean, you mm. become the writer writing about that person. That's also you, but it, it can't just be you because that's that's not a good book. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's easy to edit. Okay, that's interesting. And, and you know, my English is okay, but it's not perfect. So. And going back to the exhibition in Glasgow, how come you came to exhibit in Glasgow? It's just that they offered you the the chance to do it. I, am, I moved here. to Glasgow. You're already here, okay. I was fed up with living in Kent and England. I was <laughs> done. Five years was plenty. Um, and so I still wanted to be in the UK, um, still wanted to speak English, still wanted to be somewhere. And of course, Glasgow made sense. I didn't know anybody here six months ago. Right. I just showed up and got a flat and after... And I hadn't actually owned furniture for like almost 10 years <laughs> since I left Arizona. So I had to figure out how to do that. Um, but within a few weeks, I was getting antsy. It's like, come on, there's more to life than just figuring out where your table is going to go in the living room. So I put all my prints in a taxi and just went downtown and said, you know, give me a show. Fantastic. And they did, to my big surprise. <laughs> and I... Uh and what was the reaction to the show? It's been bit... no, that was great. Yeah. I I was there most days, just greeting people, talking to people, watching people look at the exhibition, learning from what they got, what they didn't get. I talked to a lot of photographers that came through, and over the weeks, more and more people seemed to have um, come by. So we must have been doing something right. I mean, I was passing out flyers in front of Goma to like <laughs> random tourists and teenagers bored teenagers so something must have worked. excellent and what was the title of the, the the exhibition on a good day you can see France that's that's right so how was that reflected in the photos themselves well Ramsgate is on the coast of Kent yeah. facing the continent so on a good day or on a clear day you can actually see the cliffs of Calais and mm-hmm. you know little ferry going by and stuff like that uh, but, you know, it has to do with, of course, Brexit, yeah. you know, on a really lousy day, which seems to be most days these days in the UK, you really can't even see France. Plus, there was one thing that happened December 2020. Mm-hmm. Macron, the French president, uh, closed the borders 
um, because of the Delta variant, which uh, you know actually originated in Kent. Um, so thousands of truckers, lorries, mm -hmm. got stuck in the UK. Um, Eastern European drivers, Polish, lots of them, just a few days before Christmas, and they couldn't cross over. So I went out and took a photos of the what used to be an airport runway, abandoned since, uh, where five over 5,000 lorries were stuck there. And um, that that was one of the strongest images in the in the show, I think. But it meant a lot. It's not just COVID. It's also mm -hmm. borders and Brexit and closures, etc., etc. Yeah. And I believe you're working on a project inspired by the Clyde, the River Clyde. Yes, right? uh, I am actually. Maybe it's because when I lived in Arizona for 25 years, we didn't have water in our yeah. rivers. <laughs> it's just such a wonderful thing. Um, and now you're in a city with lots of water. Yeah, I know, coming down from <laughs> underneath, from under my feet, from everywhere. Um, no, I think it was pure intuition at first when I started crossing over the river on the bridges and realizing that, um, that maybe as a complete foreigner to this nation, I have no idea what Scotland is about. Mm. But if I was to investigate and to make my way through that understanding, a river was in a bad spot. Yeah. Because a river is present, past and future. There's been human activities, there's been nature activities, organic activities, there's all kind of myth attached to it and, and realities too of what it you know, what the river has meant to not just Glasgow but Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. I miss it in particular, I think, you know, the, the links to the the Clyde, in terms of being built by the Clyde, uh, are very strong. Yes. Yeah. So I haven't read any Scottish literature. Oh, I but can, I can now. But <laughs> the first well, thing I did was to pick up all those technical, super boring books, <laughs> listing about a hundred different ferries and steamer that used to run over the Clyde and things like that, which are not exactly interesting, but to me gave me this weird approach to to the, the river. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. But there is a lot of fiction based. I mean, there's even a, a strand of Scottish literature which is called Clydesideism, this kind of dark and gritty, uh, you know, often male uh, a, a fiction that was written. Yeah, what's up with that? Exactly. <laughs> well, that was, the, that was exactly the, the time. Difficult to find female characters in some of those books, I tell you. Um, so, and I was reading an interview uh, with you and it mentioned uh, I guess another collaboration, Planet Thanet. Is that the way of saying it, or Planet Thanet? Yeah, Planet Thanet. Thanet is what used to be an island until the Middle Ages mm -hmm. in Kent. So it's actually Ramsgate, Margate, Broadstairs, and a sprinkling of little villages. And the monks back in the Middle Ages um, drained the from Holland. They were um, they drained that part of of uh, Kent and reunited the Isle of Thanet to Kent, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the name stuck. So we in Thanet, we used to call ourselves, you know, I mean, to say that you know, we were weird because planet Thanet is its own planet or something like that. Anyway, so when I put on my photo exhibition at the Glasgow Gallery with the photos from mm -hmm. Ramsgate, I thought that in order to give context to the photos and to the time, I would bring in some artists from Thanet, Ramsgate and Margate, um, to perform at the gallery. Uh, and 
they did. And so that whole series of events, there was like five live events um, at the gallery this summer was Planet Thanet. So let's move on to your music, because I visited your, your Bandcamp page and you've got a sizable discography. There's a lot of music there. How did you first start getting involved in music? And I mean, you mentioned uh, it was something that you kind of, you became obsessed with, and I guess for a long time, that's what you did, wasn't it? That was yeah. a musician, yeah. yeah. So how did you begin? How did it start? And what were the influences to, to kind of make you start? Love. I am French. Um, <laughs> no, I met I met this Parisian guitar player in Paris in what 1994-95. Um, I was already in Tucson at the time, and he came to visit, and we hit it off. And of course, as a way of uh, romancing him, I used to write uh, poetry. Mm -hmm. But I thought, well, this this guy's got a guitar. What if I write him? lyrics just repurpose poetry into lyrics maybe you'll start singing them and then we'll be an item and <laughs> so we ended up getting married and collaborating on albums and but i was always in the background as the lyricist right. and the van driver at some point um but then as i got more confident and as i got more uh, immersed into the tucson music scene i realized well actually uh, I was offered to sing with Calexico on their song Ballad of Cable Hog, I think it was their 1999 album. Mm -hmm. That was really the first time I was singing. So with people like Calexico pushing me onto the stage, I couldn't quite say no. So yeah. Joy Burns, the lead singer, offered to uh, produce and um, record my first album and I just couldn't say I mean I realized then that I was like yes this is gonna be very scary I'm terrified but I can't back down so it was all uphill or whatever hill from there recording and touring and non-stop and and Calexico are kind of known I suppose as um Americana, that, that's a huge term, that's not really explaining anything, but certainly American music. Yes. Uh, is that what you continue to do or are your albums varied in terms of how they sound? Well, it really depends on the collaborators, I suppose. What I realised is that something I wasn't, I was already exploring in Tucson with American musicians from that strand of, of Americana is a more theatrical, maybe French-influenced um, um, way of performing. Mm -hmm. So I find myself more and more um, looking at collaboration that are on the verge of theater. We're using music, we're using visuals, of course, we're using text, um, and still me singing and performing. So I can do that. I've never learned any instruments. Mm -hmm. So naturally, I'm going to be having to collaborate and, and pulling on everything I know how to do from the visual to the to the text to the lyrics. The new project I have is very exemplary of that. Um, it's, it's an adaptation of a film. It's on stage, it's got my photos and it's got two Glasgow musicians and I, I have to sing just a few songs. The guys are picking up the slack. And When's that going to be happening? It's premiering in, in a month. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Germany and then Vienna. Um, three dates only, just to get started. But it's... I wasn't expecting... See, even a year ago, I wasn't sure I would ever get back on the stage. Right. 
but the Vienna Theatre offered commission the piece. They said, just adapt any artwork. And I said, well, I just watched that movie by Joanna Hogg called The Souvenir mm -hmm. Part One. Yeah. And there's a great soundtrack of 1980s music. There's Robert Wyatt and The Pretenders and The Specials. And somehow all those songs say something that the movie is not quite saying about what it meant to live in England in the 1980s. Thatcher, Lady Di, etc. That, that whole funky period. And so we're going to push the film into corners it doesn't want to get backed into. We're stripping away the, the narrative, the love story, it's all gone. We don't need that stuff. Just keeping the music and we're also showing Knightsbridge right. in London. Yeah, yeah. Knightsbridge is like embassies, oligarchs, Herods, you know, it's the peak peak London, peak UK, peak worldwide peak wealth. wealth and, and weird power. Um, and I, I've been out there quite a bit to take photos in black and white, um, pretty disturbing ones. And so that plus the, the songs uh, from the 80s, uh, plus set design by my French set designer and stuff, um, it's going to be a weird, not Americana this time, but Englandia, I suppose, <laughs> with two Glasgow musicians from that time era also. So we're good. And you mentioned that uh, you were ready to tour and then lockdown and COVID came in, which stopped all of that. Was it an album that you were touring, a kind of recent? No, it was the stage adaptation of my book, my memoir. Ah. It was a solo, it was more of a theatrical thing. So I was singing a few songs, but mostly it was reading huge chunks of, of my book. So it's a little bit different and showing videos and stuff. It sounds like when you take on a project, you never think of it as just, this is my book, this is my album. There's always like, well, how can we expand this and do other things with it? Is that fair? No, it's just basically, how did I put myself in the corner and how do I get out of it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's what a way of working yourself out. Yeah, why, why, why did I say yes? Um, no, I didn't think I would... I was glad that, in a way, I was glad that that tour got cancelled because the subject matter of the book is pretty heavy and mm. I was I think I was ready to put down that flag and and not be the bearer of that trauma right I, I was done yeah so in a way the, some other things became more pressing um, I don't think I would have gone back on stage if it wasn't if it hadn't been for meeting um, Andy Alston and James Kirk um, and they were pretty much I mean yeah, Andy is touring with Del Amitri quite mm -hmm. a bit, so that's that's not an issue. But James isn't doing too much staging, so in a way it felt like the three of us taking each other by the hands and going, okay, let's let's try it. <laughs> and you said at the moment there's only three gigs, but are you hoping to, to kind of take yeah. else? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to bring it to the UK. Have a hometown gig. A hometown gig. Yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting, yeah. And mentioned your memoir again would you think of writing anything else I mean perhaps personal perhaps something yeah I started I started a few I started as soon as I got to Ramsgate it's a fiction book but I also realized that because of the scale of it or the ambition of it I would really need to think about it for several years it's funny because I started thinking of it as a or I, I I actually went 
to a point where I had a uh, synopsis mm -hmm. in a filmic sense. Right. Because I've done that. I've studied films. So I, I can write a, a script. Um, so I had that story down. But now I realize with the distance that that's just a starting point. Mm -hmm. It's, it's going to have to be a lot more than that or a lot more personal and original. Anyway, long story. Catch me up in 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll do this again in 10 years <laughs> yeah. and we'll see how it's gone. But we haven't spoken about your films. You see, you trained in, in film, you studied film. Um, can you give us an example of your work and the subjects you're interested in in your films? Or does it vary with each one? No, it used to be pretty clear. When I left film school, or when I was in film school in Los Angeles, it was documentary films. Right. Um, so I directed a few of those for French TV and, and US TV and... And then when I got to Tucson, started being more involved with music, then all the filming or videos I was making um, were either music videos or had something to do with my music. Mm -hmm. um, when my second album came out, I adapted this very, very odd, very Andy Warhol Western uh, called Lonesome Cowboys. Right. That's a film that he made in, with his crew from New York in, in Tucson in 1968. And... Um, I just adapted it. I, I turned it into a film. We rehearsed. We had a cast of 20, 25, 200 extras. We had a whole Western town that was given to us for free for the weekend <laughs> with cows and a saloon with a dirt floor and, and cowboys shooting at each other for fake, for real. I mean, just for show. Yeah. Um, and that was just an hour away from Tucson. So we all congregated on that town, and my my request, my my decision was to shoot the film in 24 hours top. So we had to redo a feature film in 24 hours, which meant we never stopped shooting sure. for 24 hours. And of course, my cowboys, my my people, were all getting drunk or high as the hours went by, and I, as a director, I had. To kind of keep it together and keep things going. So it's basically turned into this little documentary on, on Tucson. That's weird teenage border energy that is also in the music. Mm -hmm. it, it was The film was reflecting the music for that album. And is that something that people can still find and see? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's on my Vimeo, on my VOD, but I think I left that one on YouTube for free Excellent. somewhere. It's not a great film, but it was it sounds amazing. one of the funniest, <laughs> one of the best times of my life, one of the best 24 hours. <laughs> if you ever miss Tucson and Cowboys, um, do you know the bar in Glasgow called the Grand Old Opry? No, but that sounds very That's where Texan. People, people will get dressed up and have gun <laughs> fights and all that. You know, if you ever want a little bit of home, then that's the place to go. Okay. Um, and other themes and ideas that you would say run through all your work? Um, Self-understanding. As I get older, I think it's become a, a powerful drive. Um, I think that the drive before was basically um, more organic or sexual. It's like, oh, I want to understand that person or that place. There was like a, 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 a desire to look outward. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, but the running theme, I'm not sure. Not sure. That's interesting that, you know, you think you would, maybe we all do that, you reflect more 
inwardly than uh, than outwardly as we got older. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that. It's an internal travel more and more. I mean, I've seen enough places and people. I mean, never enough, but yeah, I can make up stories now within yeah. my head. Yeah, the, you've met the characters. <laughs> yeah, the, absolutely. And so, what's uh, next for you? It sounds like uh, well, we gotta start stop. rehearsals. <laughs> I mean, come on. Andy just got back from touring Germany with Del Amitri. Uh, James Kirk is um, he's around, but it's, it's like herding wild cats. I mean, me included. I'm the, probably the most feral of them all. Uh, but that we have to get started on rehearsals. <laughs> and of course, you've got that uh, novel to finish. Then. Yeah, no, again, <laughs> ten years. No, but there's, there's the Knightsbridge photo projects, really. Um, I'm going back there next week, you know, kind of let the, the, the cues die down in London yeah. so I could actually see it yeah. as it usually is. There probably are still a few people queuing who don't realise. Then I, I will try. <laughs> I will try on them the one maybe funny line I came up with for that whole thing. Let them eat cue. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> That's what people were doing, I think. Yep. Um, and so where can people find out or find your work and find your music? I mentioned Bandcamp and you said you've got a Vimeo page, but, you know, where's the best place? I, I actually just get in touch with me, seriously. I'm not that well known that I don't respond personally to people. <laughs> so send me a message on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the only place I'm not is Spotify. I yeah. took everything down from Spotify. So, uh, you know, the usual streaming sites. Bandcamp's pretty good. Bandcamp is pretty yeah, good. For musicians. And hear your music and to buy your music as yeah. well. Well, Marianne, thank you so much for You're taking welcome. the time your day thank to come you. and talk to me. It's been really a pleasure to do it and in such a fantastic place I know, well. it didn't rain. <laughs> exactly, we've lucked out. <laughs> and we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm.